Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gold Jr. That is me. With me, as always, Super Producer Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Nothing much, Mike. Feeling fine and flying this Monday morning. How are you? I'm feeling great. This weekend was a deeply refreshing sports weekend. Um, just because we... And, well, and content weekend overall. Because I think what I figured out about this weekend and was reminded of, which was conference championship weekend in college basketball is like the opening weekend of March Madness light. Like, obviously, lots on the line with the conference championship games. There's certainly stakes in conference tournaments, but as a member of the independent anarchy crew over at Notre Dame, 
you're only going to sell me so much on the value of that. The NCAA tournament is the ultimate prize. And so that first weekend of March Madness games in the tournament, which is a holy holiday, one of the best sports watching weekends of the year, this is a nice tune-up of it where you've got so many things happening all at once, everything everywhere all at once, if you will, on Oscar night. Hey, 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 I like that. I like that. I hear you, Mike, but I got caught up when I had time to just – I was with my dad all weekend, so it was big – Throw the game on energy, just not to actually even watch it. So uh, a lot of college basketball was on in the background. But I found myself wanting to watch to help to help me set the brackets. And then I remember how this thing works. And I was like, this isn't going to help me set make a better bracket. Like finding out how well Duke plays in the ACC championship isn't going to help me set my bracket. So I end up just watching Kent State. Uh, play in the MAC championship because I was like, I just need to see some basketball be played. And well, that was it. There was plenty of it to have happen. And then we had Selection Sunday last night. We have a great show for you guys today. As always, yes. make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review Gojo. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Plenty of news out of the NFL. The number one pick in the draft got traded at the end of last week. One of the top cornerbacks in the NFL got traded yesterday, and we've still got some things that we're wondering about Aaron Rodgers. In addition to the Oscars last night that were going on, some other moves that were made, uh, and one particular case about workman's comp that needs to be talked about on this show. But Brandon, no better place to start than with March Madness. Um, We had selection Sunday, and the results were as follows. On the men's side of the tournament, the 4-1 seeds ended up being exactly who we'd expected. The teams that had all split time at number one over the course of the season for the most part. Houston, Kansas, Purdue, and Alabama, who was the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, um, wind up as your top four seeds in the tournament. Worth noting that two of those 4-1 seeds lost in their conference tournament. Kansas got their Doors blown off Mm. by Texas in the Big 12 championship game. We know there was no Bill Self in that one recovering from a medical procedure. He will be back with the team for the NCAA tournament. And then Houston also ended up losing in their conference championship game. They end up without Marcus Sasser, who's their top scorer, who went down with a groin injury in that game Saturday. All accounts say that I think he's probable for the NCAA tournament, but you and I have both pulled muscles, pulled groins. That's a difficult one to come back from and do any sort of plant and cutting and moving. So automatically some things to be concerned about with Houston there. But uh, just overall, Brandon, watching the tournament this weekend, you know, These are the four names that have been consistently at the top all season. This is a tournament that generally tends to award chalk for the most part. And so it is finding those other upset potentials. Teams like Duke that you mentioned who are rolling in hotter than fish grease, who when they've actually been healthy and had their starters on the floor, have been a team that's capable of winning an ACC championship. So uh, that's what's going to be at stake for us as we get on our journey of one Our March Madness pool, which we are going to start, we will have the link out on our show's Twitter handle coming up this week as we get ready for the tournament and get that filled out. So you'll be able to play along with us. We're going to figure out some sort of prize for whoever wins that pool, but then also for the bet between you and I, Brandon, because to your point about how this actually goes down, got to make sure you get right because there are going to be stakes on the line for this one. Yeah, uh, I'm not looking forward to that, but I am looking forward to the pageantry of, of it because March Madness... It's a special time where you just want to be right. 
but everyone's going in pretty blind. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Seth Davis, who does uh, a college basketball reporter for CBS Sports, put together a great thread that is more than worth your time at Seth Davis Hoops on Twitter about how the seeding process for March Madness goes down. It's very interesting relative to what we normally get now for the college football playoff, which uses a similar model. 13-person group for the college playoff, I believe a 12-person panel for college basketball, but there's much more math. It's much more formulaic in college hoops because, as Seth points out, it's impossible for everyone on the committee to watch every game played by all of these teams. Yes. It is extremely difficult. It's unexpected. And so they lean heavily on the numbers like the NCAA selection committee or the uh, yeah. the college football playoff selection committee. You've got sheets with specific numbers. The Ken Palm numbers, a lot of things about each of these different teams, their net rating that they use to try and compare all these teams. He also pointed out the eye test really does not exist for that reason, that there's never been a correlation as they've studied the tournament between how a team has played late in the season and how it actually plays in the tournament outside of accounting for injury, which is what Mm -hmm. these human committees are supposed to account for. So all things as you get going that are worth noting, but Brandon, you talked about one of, I thought, the best nuggets as far as how people start to build out their brackets. According to Seth Davis, over the last 20 tournaments, 60% of Final Four teams have been one seeds, 32% have been two seeds, and 18% have been five seeds or below. And so, by and large, it's kind of like the star rating system in college sports. People tend to know who the goods goods are. And barring any sort of injury, like we mentioned with Houston usually chalk is going to be your friend understanding that there's almost always like a 12, five matchup mixed in there and some seeds that are going to make some noise early on. Yeah. Those, those I'm not, I don't trust those numbers because I like to live in the world where I'm rooting for the George Washington's of the world to make the final four. Like I, I can't stop rooting against what I want to see happen. Excuse me. I'm sorry. George Mason, George Washington, Uh, Hey, that's a school, right? Uh, but but yeah, I, I I love it because all of the analysts and all the people that really do make their money following college basketball are usually about as right as we are. Yeah, it's an extremely difficult place because of the numbers to actually be right consistently. Like it's called March Madness for a reason, so we expect a lot of that bullshit to pop up. Um, but, the, but what is the, I, what I love about this time is like finding the random reasons why to pick a team. Well, yeah, there's always that question of, listen, as someone a couple of years ago who did a tournament challenge preview with Butler blue, the bulldog mascot for the Butler bulldogs when the tournament was an in indie, um, a lot of people will pick by mascot. A lot of people will pick by uniform color. A lot of people will pick by, you know, the coaches that they like. Any number of things that are all worth it. Like, we've, how many times have you ever been in an office pool where someone's nine-year-old daughter ends up winning because they pick the school based on favorite color? It, it, at some point, it goes out the window because it's also a completely different set of circumstances for all of these players than what they normally play in, especially once you get to the tournament sites and things start going down like that. You're locked into that situation a little bit more. You're away from school for a long period of time. It's just all abnormal, and these are 18 to 22-year-olds, so nothing is predictable about these kids. Okay, but what is your favorite part about this time of the year when it comes specifically to March Madness? First weekend, by far. It is one of my favorite weekends of sports washing as you get going. 
to just be able to park. I did it in Vegas one year. I was out there for our buddy and longtime friend of the podcast, Dane Chris, uh, bachelor party. And to roll into that weekend on Thursday and just get to park your ass, go run to the sports book, bet all over the place on it. But to just get to sit and have games on every screen to always have something happen. And because of the volume, it's like watching the Red Zone channel in the NFL. You always have something interesting that's going to happen. That's why I said conference champ weekend is like NCAA tournament light because you've always got something happening. And just by sheer volume, you're going to get something entertaining enough to warrant the attention of everybody in the room. We all know everyone's watching it at once, and I love a good communal watch. So the first weekend of March Madness is one of the best sports weekends of the year, hands down. I I like the first weekend, Mike, but that is the beginning of the narrative. And I need like sweet 16 for a narrative to really s- settle in. Like, you know, the Oral Roberts of the world. Like, I, I need something ha- to, I need a narrative to begin that first weekend. So you want a cin- team to continue. You want a Cinderella, through. is what you want. It sounds like your Do favorite part of the tournament Cinderella. is a Cinderella. I mean, it, I, my favorite part, yes, Dunk City. Like, to see a team that is just clicking. Like fight that entire time and beat a a a, a team full of uh, you know blue blood five stars. Yes, love it every time. Like even I know Purdue has made themselves a one seed, but back in the day when like Grady Eifert was on the team and like obviously BJ Ivy was amazing uh, for the team uh, you know last year, but when Purdue was just that big 10 team that they are in, in football on the basketball court too. Like I like that. I like the uh, Valparaiso. Like, yes, I'm here for all of the, the teams that don't really have much to root for all season long to make a run in the tournament. And whatever that, whatever that means, where run is, whatever that run means, you know, yeah, I, surprising I, one team. I, I guess that's to me. I always like it when it's the first couple of weekends, because then at a certain point, like, once you get too far in a tournament, if a team's in over their skis, then you end up getting found out. Later on in the tournament, no. when the schedule evens out a little bit more, right. then you just end up diluting the product when there's more eyes watching fewer teams. And that's always kind we of were, a bummer because then you've lost some of the good teams who would have actually given you a good game later on in the tournament. That's that's not fair because you just talked about Butler, and that was one of the best. That was one of the best final, uh, you know, national championship games. Obviously, Villanova, that was really, really exciting. But other than, yeah, well, I guess national championship games can be great. But then there's the duds that, you know, scream louder than most. But Butler's a perfect example of, like, that team was just better with, with Gordon Hayward, that, that, that team. Oh, that, yeah, no, that. I'm not talking about teams that are actually good. I'm saying some of the Cinderella's eventually are going to operate at such a talent deficit that you get to that point. And it's like, all right, now – as we don't have the volume anymore, when the games matter more, when the resources are fewer and each game is more valuable, that's the point where it ends up being kind of a bummer. It's not to diminish how much fun those teams are. Like we talked about with Sister Jean, Loyola Chicago was one of those teams that made a run through the tournament. Florida Gulf Coast, like you mentioned, all of those great stories, a great time. Those are the things that we end up talking about years later. Those will be the biggest memories from the tournament. Right? Like the George Masons that you mentioned, those are the runs that we remember. So you're right in that that's what a lot of people root for. When you get a team in this tournament, like Texas Southern, who wins their conference after going 14 and 20 on the season. 
They have 20 mm. losses and they're going to the NCAA tournament because automatic bids are a thing that happens in college basketball. It's why I argue so hard against it for college football, but here we are. Either way, that's the stuff that you're right. Simultaneously makes it exciting, but there's also the double-edged sword that goes on later in these things. And so... Uh, for me and you, we will have the tournament bracket, like I mentioned, for everyone who listens along with the show to play along with us. We'll figure out some sort of prize for that. You and I also have to decide on our bet for March Madness. I told people that we would take submissions, and I told people that if you commented on the YouTube, they would go to the top of the pile. Shout out to Amy Kless for being the one who listened. She said, all what? in for a bracket challenge, loser ideas for punishments, sexy calendar photo shoot for the loser. The Waffle mm. House Marathon Challenge, the Beer Mile, okay. a date night with a giant stuffed animal, and the Kitchen Sink Ice Cream Challenge. Also, she asked if I was a bath mm. bomb guy. Uh, yes, deeply so. Okay, now I'm more interested in the bath bombs, but let's stick with the with the punishments. Yeah, so those are all great ideas here. I wasn't aware of what the Kitchen Sink Contest was. Apparently, according to... The San Francisco Creamer, which is the first thing that came up, it was eight flavors of ice cream, eight toppings, um, toasted almonds, cherries, and uh, I think a banana mixed in there, which sounds delicious and like something I would just do in my free time anyway. Do you have to? No, you would not. Uh, do you have to eat it out of the kitchen sink? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's, I think it's the term, like everything but the kitchen, everything in the kitchen sink is sort of a term. Oh, no, no, no. Trust me. I know. If you've ever been to Panera, the highest caloric intake cookie you can get is the kitchen sink cookie i think it's 14 1430 it's a, a beast oh yeah i hate calorie listings on things that's emotional terrorism what? and i don't support that yeah that's been one of the best things americans done in the last 10 years what you like going to the movie theater and being reminded of how much you're sinning i know what i'm eating is bad when i go to the movie theater i absolutely in places like that i can understand on restaurant menus why you got to play with the cards up i get that but for places like the movie theater i know the popcorn i'm eating is high in calorie i know the pretzel bites are bad for me i know anything i eat there is going to do me harm that's the social contract i sign the minute i step into the building here you throwing that in my face when i'm trying to have a good time and escape to the joy of the movies is again emotional terrorism and i won't support it mike numbers are important and it's very important to know just how down the rabbit hole you've gone especially on a movie night mike I, and Dr. Oz, back before he started running for office, he told me one time that uh, a large popcorn is has more calories than a double quarter pound of cheese. And I've never forgotten it. Yeah, Clearly. again, I know all those things. And I don't give a shit. It's like when Super Size Me came out. I know it's bad for me. But every <laughs> once in a while, I'm going to go eat that shit. Also, don't think the novelty of you saying numbers matter moments after saying you don't believe the stats on the NCAA tournament that I read you are true is lost on me. <laughs> well, let me get back to numbers real quick. And let me get back to the bracket real quick. Because... Talk about random uh, teams to root for and their and why, like colors, uh, mascots, X, Y, and Z. I brought up the Purdue, Purdue Boilermakers for a reason, Mike, because they have a guard, number five, who's 6'5 from Valparaiso, Indiana, named Brandon Newman. Oh, and wow. I've loved seeing him pop up in the stats, not because of the great things he does, but the mediocre things he does. Because his stat line in the in the Big Ten Championship against uh, 
uh, Penn State was like literally me when I play a pickup game. 31 minutes, 4.7 rebounds, one assist. Like that is perfect. And by the way, one of those uh, of the four points was a three-pointer at a buzzer beater before halftime. So it's like a big splash moment, but everything else is just like all grit and, and, and you know, cleaning up the boards. So He's shout about- out to Brandon Newman. I'm going to be I'm going to be rooting for the for the Purdue Boilermakers to make it all the way through. Yeah, oh, the big bench mob moments. We love a good bench mob moment, especially yes, in the NCAA yes. tournament. So uh, we'll get to our picks as we go along in the week. Nicole Arbach from The Athletic is going to join us tomorrow to break down some more of the specifics of the tournament. She watched a lot more college basketball than I did this season. But Brandon, you and I do have to pick a punishment for the tournament. I appreciate all of those that we got submitted on YouTube here. The one I wanted to pitch to you, and I've mentioned this to you off air, is I think whoever of the two of us loses as we pick... as. I'm like my dad. I fill out multiple brackets every year. I'm going to fill out multiple brackets this year for the potential of winning the overall pool. But you and I are each going to have to dub one bracket of ours, the bracket for this content, the sheet of integrity, as it was often referred to on Mike and Mike. And the winner of that is going to have show supremacy. And the loser of that, I propose, should have to redo Pro Day. Okay. Okay. Slow down. Slow down because the three-cone drill is awful. Are we doing it based on how many wins that a particular bracket gets or their a team that they say was going to win getting further along in the bracket? No. So it, the, the every we're, I think, probably going to use the NCAA's website bracket challenge. They score it based on the team wins. They'll keep the score okay. on all of that. It'll be out okay. of our hands. Okay. It'll be whose okay. bracket ends up having the highest score. And that's based on, you know, how many of the teams that you pick right go along in every round. And one okay. of us will Can win I- and the loser will redo pro day. At, at Notre Dame. Make it a comfortable. At Notre Dame. Yes, we'll make it a home game. We'll make it comfortable. I'm sure we can okay. try and get on the horn with somebody and get them to let us use that nice indoor around there. Maybe even use some of the materials and then see where it goes. I, I, that, that takes away the caveat I was going to add. I was going to say they should probably be inebriated while doing so. But um, this is, yeah, let's, let's keep it clean if we're in actual God country. I also just want to keep us uninjured, and so being sober for this probably okay. be the way to go. So, you just Brandon, want to have a medical staff nearby, hundred percent. So, Brandon, would you agree to that? Okay, how many how many pro day events are we talking? I'm talking like, the forty yard dash. Okay, two twenty five bench test, okay. short shuttle, three cone okay. drill, vert and uh-huh. broad. I won't make you won't have to do the position drills. The position drills are the worst, Mike. I know. <laughs> That's the stuff that kills you. Um Okay. Okay. I like that. And cause it because it's the the punishment really is having your numbers on paper at the end of the day. So yes. it's just like, you know, who who wants that? One hundred percent to see the comp and how the sands of time have absolutely <laughs> beaten you down. So um, again, at Gojo Show on Twitter is where we'll put out all the information on where the bracket challenge is going to be that you can participate in with us. But that's what's going to be on the line for me and Brandon. Um, also, the women's tournament bracket want to give that seating out as well as that's going to get going going at the same time. The number one uh, seed line is as follows. The Pac-12 regular season co-champions, the Stanford Cardinal, 
the ACC tournament champion, Virginia Tech Hokies, and the Big Ten regular season champ, Indiana, will be joining the defending national champion, South Carolina Gamecocks, as the one seed. South Carolina, which hasn't lost a game in over a calendar year, is just six wins away from becoming the fourth program to repeat as national champions, joining UConn, Tennessee, and USC, as well as the fifth to complete an undefeated season alongside UConn, Tennessee, Texas, and Baylor. So that one's going to be exciting. Uh, Iowa with Caitlin Clark, one of the best players in college basketball, men's or women's, on the two-line alongside the UConn Huskies, Maryland, and Utah. And uh, our Notre Dame Fighting Irish uh, are also going to be hosting first and second round games. Uh, Them, Duke, Ohio State, LSU are all three seeds uh, in addition to uh, UCLA, Villanova, Texas, and Tennessee are all four seeds. So Lady Irish checking in at uh, the third seed spot for this tournament here. Obviously, Olivia Miles, uh, her being down, the youngest Mabry sister being down, don't make me feel great about our chances. But, hey, we can all hope yeah. that someone's going to get South Carolina to stub their toe in this tournament because it seems like Dawn Staley's bag to lose. Yeah, I, I would not bet against Don Staley. Those numbers, I believe. Yeah, no, uh, just uh, that's a friendly word of advice to everybody. Uh, betting against Don Staley, not a great idea. So um, this is the second year. The women's team is going to include 68 teams. Um, the first four Ooh. games are going to be on Wednesday and Thursday on campus sites. That is uh, Sacred Heart versus Southern, Tennessee Tech versus Monmouth, uh, Illinois versus Mississippi State, and Purdue versus St. John's. Uh for the men's uh for the men's side, I believe that's uh Texas T- uh Texas A and M and Southeast Missouri State. Um and the one of the playing games, Texas Southern and um Fairleigh Dickinson, Arizona State and Nevada and Mississippi State and Pitt are the playing games on the men's side as well. So plenty more of that to get into. Like we said, we'll get to the nitty-gritty with Nicole Arbach tomorrow. But Brandon. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great. But everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. In a weekend that was supposed to belong to college basketball, the NFL decided yes. to get real froggy and jump. Uh, we had plenty of news in the NFL, most notably the number one overall pick of the NFL draft being traded well before we got to actual draft day. The Bears traded the number one overall pick to the Panthers in exchange for four picks and wide receiver DJ Moore, sources told ESPN. The Bears get Carolina's first round selection at number nine, a late second round pick, a 2024 first round pick, and a 2025 second round pick in addition to DJ Moore. Brandon, 
What a haul for the Chicago Bears. We heard them being loud and trying to drum up all sorts of interest. We wondered if any of it was false bravado trying to create a market. And instead, they got a haul, including in a year where we've talked about the wide receiver free agent class, not an overly impressive group. We talked about Odell Beckham Jr.'s workout last week. DJ Moore has been a wide receiver that has gone for over 1,100 yards receiving three times in his NFL career so far with quarterbacks Mm. like Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Teddy Bridgewater, Josh Johnson, and the Pips. Like, it has been a struggle, and that man is produced. And so to get him in an offense where, you know, you've got a quarterback in Justin Fields who you're not committed to, right? This decision lets you know the Bears backing up what they've said publicly, Ryan Poles, their GM, that they want to stick around and they want to see Justin Fields and put weapons around him to make it happen. Still keeps them in range where potentially with some of this capital, I I wouldn't, I'll be interested to see if the Bears who now sit at nine in the draft where the Panthers were, think about trading back up to get in range of one of those defensive prospects if all of a sudden Will Anderson or Jalen Carter start falling down the board as these quarterback needy teams climb higher and higher because they do need to install a defensive identity again. There's a couple of guys that we just mentioned that are big on that front, but overall, big-time win for the Chicago Bears in this. And for Ryan Poles, really one of his first major moves as GM of this team, overwhelming success. Chicago Folks in Chicago, I think, could and should feel very happy about what their team has done with this. Yeah, I've always not been able to trust what the Chicago Bears do with wide receivers, especially drafting them and cultivating them X, Y, and Z. The fact that they got DJ Moore, j- just lean on the fact that the Carolina Panthers fans are really hurt by this. Like they're not, you know, like they they're losing not only a weapon, but like someone who was a beacon of light, and now he's gone to make room for the new beacon of light, the new what hopes to be the Cam Newton pick that that helps the Carolina Panthers be relevant and, and end up you know making a playoff run later on down the line. Yeah, it, it, you're right. That was one and it sounded like DJ Moore being included was in order to prevent the Panthers from having to send another first round draft pick potentially to the Chicago Bears. Man. And from that standpoint, it, obviously nothing's a binary, but if you're thinking about that as a right. thought process, it makes sense to me just because if you're Carolina now, going to get a young quarterback means the timeline of your your team is different. Really, once you dealt Christian McCaffrey last year, you were signaling that the timeline for your team was different. And while some of the key yeah. defensive pieces are still there, they're a lot younger. And that's the side of the ball. You still need something to help your young quarterback, even if it's not on offense right now. You'd love for him to have right. more weapons, but I think you would also like to have the draft capital going forward even more as you're going to try to operate and build your roster more in line with the timeline of whoever you take with the one overall pick at quarterback, which now becomes a bigger part of the conversation, right? Who do you actually mortgage that kind of draft capital to go up and get if you're David Tepper, the owner for the Carolina Panthers and this team? Um, I know in real time, as I was uh, this weekend sitting around uh, in a newly opened DraftKings sports book that we will talk about when we get to Roses for this weekend, um, was looking at the bets for the number one overall pick coming up in the draft, the odds, as soon as this was announced for C.J. Stroud to go number one overall, 
shifted dramatically. Uh, as of right now, C.J. Stroud on DraftKings Sportsbook, minus 300 to be the number one overall pick, followed by Bryce Young at plus 235 and Anthony Richardson at plus 450. The next closest is Will Levis at four, uh, who is plus 3,500. So pretty big drop-off once you get outside of the C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson range, which is who I said if you were going to ask me who you could justify taking with the top overall pick in the draft, it would be one of these three players and for varying reasons. So I would imagine, Brandon, C.J. Stroud is probably the the one. Some of the comments from Frank Wright before the combine talking about what he looks for in a quarterback sounded a lot more like C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, guys who are a little bit more further along in their development as quarterbacks. But like we saw when the 49ers traded up in the draft um, to make their pick a couple of years ago, there is part of you that always wonders, hey, if you're giving up that much, are you going to do it to get a guy with a special skill set that you think you can coach? One I don't want to say once in a generation, but generational type traits the way that you have in Anthony Richardson. So he was going off at plus 550 when Uh. I saw it. I sprinkled a little money on there for him to go number one overall just in case because it would not shock me both with the skills that he has, but also with the owner in Carolina, David Tepper, who has, if you go back and read the articles when he first took over the team, a literal set of brass balls on his desk in his office in Carolina. He is a guy who has been pushing and churning at that position, looking for special because he wants this franchise to be great now. And it seems like the kind of guy who might opt for special when it comes to the one overall pick in the draft because he clearly wants to make this thing happen fast. Yeah, I can't get out of my mind that those are Sir Purr's balls on his table or that the CGI Panther that's crawling over their stadium. But... You say C.J. Stroud is where you think, obviously, you put some money on Anthony Richardson, but do you think C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback in this draft? I thought you've said a lot of great things about Bryce Young. Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this class as far as what he did in college. I have worries about the size. I I just, I, I do, and I think if you're looking for the middle ground, like if there was a huge gap between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I would feel a lot different, but... I think C.J. Stroud on his best day has shown one of the best pure throwers of the football in this draft. We saw in the big moments, and I know it's I know it's one game against Georgia, but I think overall C.J. Stroud is just mobile enough to do the things you do to get you out of trouble when you're at the top of the draft. I think he throws a really good football. I think he operates in an offense that's got some pro tenants to it. Certainly used to throwing to NFL wide receivers because that's basically all they've got at Ohio State. So just yeah. overall, I think... He's got the arm strength that you're looking for. He's certainly bigger than Bryce, and and part of that's going to matter. He's not the biggest guy in the world either. He's not Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, but I think he's closest to the combination of skills and traits that you would need to feel the most comfortable taking him with the number one overall pick after you just gave up everything that you did in Carolina to get there. I, I am such a basic B when it comes to the draft because – if we're not talking about quarterbacks at that number one pick, I am bored to death. Oh, I mean, listen, the draft without quarterback conversation as a product is a lot harder to sell. We went through that last year. Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback taken in the first round last year. And yeah. trying to sell that conversation in the lead up to the draft, yeah, we ended up having a decent discussion about the number one overall pick and some late volatility and movement there. But 
in general, draft season selling it to the public is about selling quarterbacks. That's why this year is going to be so fun for everybody because we've barely even gotten, like I joked and went back and watched Will Anderson the other day. We talked with Field Yates about this. We haven't really talked about that dude at all. And he's a guy that was in contention for the number one pick for a long time, in contention to be the first defensive player taken off the board. And we've just been so bored with greatness and love quarterbacks so much, we won't even probably get there for most of this draft cycle. He was he was preseason. Is this going to be the first time? Or is, is a defensive player finally going to win the Heisman again? Like, right. those, like preseason. Like coming off the 21, 21 season he had. So um, that would be, uh, I think. But you're right. Like Quarterbacks are the interesting part, and especially in this draft, because they're so different, because the conversation's so tough around all of them about what you should value and why. And now, especially with this, where – You've given up a lot to get there. You've given up two firsts and then multiple picks besides that if you're the Carolina Panthers. And reportedly from them, now, you know, again, I don't think you're going to come out and necessarily state your intentions. They even talked about now we control our fate. Like if we don't want to sit at the one spot, maybe we can trade back too. But now we've got the option, which as friend of the podcast, Ryan Nanny said is, oh, don't worry. I can sell this boat that I just bought if I don't like it. Like... It's it's sort of a ridiculous notion. They've claimed that there's multiple quarterbacks that they are comfortable with, and they have yet to hone in on just one yet. We'll wait and see, but again, I, I wouldn't rule out the Anthony Richardson option here. This is the third time the Panthers have had the top overall pick. In their first season in 1995, they had it and traded it to the Bengals for the number five pick in the first round and the 36th pick in the second round. They drafted Kerry Collins at quarterback at five. Um, and then they had the top pick in 2011 and selected Cam Newton. So that one went pretty well. But um, so that's uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. So super exciting. Uh, obviously, love to see that. That was a pick we figured was going to be on the move because Chicago stayed in intention to keep Justin Fields. And so now we get to wait and see as we go through. Is there anything that comes out as we get to some of these pro days? You know we're going to have a couple of those web gem throws for as frustrated as my dad gets with the combine, even more so at pro day where you're comfortable, you're throwing to your own receivers on a scripted set. It's uh, it's all the things he hates most in the world. So we'll have plenty of time to get to that. But Brandon, uh, we also had other news in the NFL this weekend. Jalen Ramsey, former quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams, got traded to the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. Um, An incredible move. He gets moved for a third-round draft pick in this year's draft and tight end Hunter Long, and that's it. Like, I was a bit perplexed at the price tag for a guy that was a first-team All-Pro in 2021, was one of the few bright spots on a bad team this year that struggled overall. It's uh, Just to be clear, it's the 77th overall pick in the third round this year and Hunter Long. So, Brandon, Miami loading up, right? Picked up fifth, to his fifth-year option amidst all the Brady rumors and everything going around there, but... To go and get a player of this caliber on a defense that struggled some on the back end, put him opposite Xavier Howard behind a D-line that really performed well last year. I think if you're looking for bright spots of that Dolphins defense and what they did, Christian Wilkins and the rest of that group up front looked really strong at certain times. AFC East about to be fun this year, man, especially if the Jets end up pulling off this Rodgers trade. Yes, like now, now, now we're ugh, not to get excited about quarterback talk again, because let's focus on Jalen Ramsey. I don't, 
I love how much they gave up for him or how much they got for him because I feel like that's where he's evaluated minus the tight end. Like, I feel like Jalen Ramsey is a exciting question mark at this point in time. He's look, obviously he's going to produce Mike. Obviously he's going to produce, but is that production going to lead you to the playoffs in the AFC East? And I don't believe it is. And I think that's one of my biggest things. Like even when Khalil Mack uh, got traded and went over to the Chargers, everyone was all excited. And I was like, this isn't going to make the Chargers a playoff team. And it didn't. So like as much as I want to get excited about uh, former all pro players making big team moves, there's a reality to why they're making the move too, where not that they they don't have anything left, which obviously I know that's not the case for Jalen Ramsey and obviously wasn't the case for Khalil Mack. He made a bunch of big plays this season, but let's be real between great personal moves for a player and great team moves for a franchise. Well, so, I mean, what you're talking about is positional value. Like, I think I saw DraftKings Sportsbook put out the tweet about the odds of the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl. They didn't, probably didn't change much. I don't think they changed at all because right. it's not a quarterback. Like, there's one position when you trade them on a football team that can realistically change your odds of winning a Super Bowl, and it's the quarterback. Besides that, yes, we know, and I've said this to you about a bunch of other teams that we've argued about. This was our entire conversation about the Ravens and Roquan Smith coming over. Roquan Smith's a great player, but a championship team doth not a middle linebacker make the same way that a quarterback, which is an inherently more valuable position on a defense, I, does not make a championship team the ceiling is ultimately going to be decided by what Tua does and what happens with the quarterback position in Miami this season this is just another floor raising move this is them continuing what they started last offseason bringing in Teron Armstead bringing over Tyreek Hill trying to build the young core of this team that Jalen Ramsey at 28 years old is still a part of right now yeah okay I yeah I I hear you I just feel like he is very much one of the new media people and not to say that that means that there's he's like less focused on the field which obviously he still is he wouldn't be getting this contract if he wasn't but i am not tantalized or excited about the dolphins potential week in week out with jalen ramsey on that on that team like i feel like that defense needs a roquan smith level leader uh, on that side of the ball. And I don't know if Jalen Smith or Jalen Ramsey is interested in being that. He's not, he's no longer with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like that was the last time I feel like he was really had the captain hat on. Obviously the, that time with the Rams, he, he, he played his, his role well and he was very important, but they also had Aaron Donald in the middle, who was actually the, the leader of that defense. I'm less concerned with the leadership stuff and more concerned about what you're going to do on the field. And I think a lot of the notion of Jalen Ramsey. How is that not the same thing? Because what Jalen Ramsey does as a cornerback presenting, preventing receivers from catching footballs matters more to me than if he gives a good speech before the game. Does he do that? Stops receivers from catching footballs? Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
Like, I know it's one metric and I have beefs with their grades, but Pro Football Focus had him as one of the highest rated corners from this last year. Like, people thought he had a down year this last year because the Rams sucked ass because everyone was hurt around him. Because at certain points in the year, it was him, Bobby Wagner, and sometimes Aaron Donald with injury and the pips on that defense. And you couldn't overcome how banged up and bad that offense was. There was nothing for them to work with coming off a year where you could watch. Like, Jalen Ramsey is one of the few defensive backs where you can watch down in and down out and just understand, dude is bigger, faster, stronger than most people he's going up against. And maybe he's losing yes, a step but- at this point. Maybe as a 28-year-old, he's losing a little bit of a step. But my whole point is, when you couple that with Miami and some of the rushers that I think they've got up front that are going to continue to produce for them, I still think he can play productive football for you in a division where now you've got Josh Allen throwing the football for the Buffalo Bills, and you're going to potentially have Aaron Rodgers coming over to the New York Jets and an offense that's going to sling the ball around it's an understanding of what am i going to need to get out of this division alive i'm gonna need to be able to stop people from passing jalen ramsey helps you do that does he do it to a level that's going to immediately make you a championship contender no especially not in how competitive the afc is i mean you look at the afc and you line up the quarterbacks in that division of football we talked about it last year it's a juggernaut but he absolutely helps you in areas that are going to be important to playing football in that division. And in the NFL, first and foremost, you got to win your division before you do anything else. Yeah, I agree. I'm just, I, I think it's, a, it's, I, I'm excited for him to have a, a fresh start. I'm excited for Mike McDaniels to have like somebody, uh, McDaniel to have somebody um, to alike when it comes to trust on the other side of defense and obviously him getting his guys in there uh, on defense, but that defense was good without Jalen Ramsey last year. Obviously they'll be better with him, but there's, there's going to be the dolphins just aren't there. The dolphins, the dolphins aren't there. And Jalen Ramsey knows he's not trading his, he's not trading to a super bowl ready team the way it was when he moved over to the Rams so long ago. I mean, it's not as immediately ready, but they're loading up. And again, if they can keep two on the field and healthy, we saw how dangerous that team was for a lot of last year with all the team speed on that roster. Which, by the way, did you watch Tyreek Hill in that uh, USA track oh, and yes. field event? Jesus Christ. Running for coffee. I saw he's he he fast for real. Yes, he is. Uh, he, uh, by the way, also posted that uh, video of him and Jalen Ramsey from the Pro Bowl flag football game. Where I don't know if you remember, someone on the AFC side pitched the ball back to Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Ramsey forgot it was flag football and laid Tyreek the hell out. And he said, "Practices are going to be live next year, so real people don't forget." <laughs> moment. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I like listen. Jalen Ramsey is the like the perfect version of Marcus Peters. Uh, when uh, that's the you know I'm talking about the right person, right? The cornerback for the Ravens. Thank you. Where like he gives an edge and a bit of unpredictableness to your defense, and and I feel like the 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 ceiling gets or the floor gets raised slightly with that defense. But whew, you better be ready for some penalties. Um, Ramsey was the third highest ranked quarterback in the NFL last season, according to Pro Football Focus. He finished the year with four picks, 18 pass defenses, eight, 12 pass breakups, three forced fumbles, and two sacks. His four interceptions tied his career high. In seven seasons, he's got 19 picks, seven forced fumbles, and two sacks, and was a first-team All-Pro in 2017, 2020, and 2021. This is also happening because the Rams are just purging their books right now. 
that's a team yeah, that's in a sure. major transition moment, even if, and you know, there's some rumblings about Matthew Stafford's future, but even if he's back, your O-line's going to automatically, hopefully, be healthier than last year's tire fire, and that'll improve it some, but they've burned a lot of resources to get the Super Bowl they've got. I still think that is overwhelmingly worth it to get a championship in a five or ten year window, but they've got to move on from some things now. Part of what will be interesting with Jalen Ramsey, too, is if this trade means any of his contract is going to be changed or altered. So Jalen Ramsey's due $17 million this year, and then after next year, he's got no guaranteed money left on his contract. Um so he's due $14.5 million as base salary with a $4 million roster bonus in 2024, but I believe they're out of the guaranteed money in his contract at that point. So I don't know if, you know, usually a lot of these ta- these trades, when they happen, there's a lot of leverage for the player being traded to go and then negotiate a new deal based off what a team gave up to get him. But again, for the price of just a third rounder and Hunter Long, that feels a little bit different. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, exciting and on a, on a weekend hell where we had Aaron Rodgers going on the I Am Athlete podcast while he was at some quarterback camp talking about the decision will get made soon and still being very cryptic about everything. It, it seems like the hay is in the barn already with that one. You had Aaron Rodgers, who we're used to hearing from on Pat McAfee's show, going on a different publication for now the second time with news coming off of his darkness retreat. And then you had Packers president Mark Murphy at the Wisconsin Inter, uh, Interscholastic Athletic Association Women's Basketball Tournament talking to local news stations there, giving the quotes about how they're trying to, they let Aaron Rodgers talk to the Jets to not only try and find the best deal for him, but to try and find the best deal for the team. Um, He said, yeah, here's the quote. We did give them permission, but I really can't get into the details. We're really hopeful we can reach a resolution that not only works for us, but works for Aaron, but also works for us. Um, he told Green Bay's ABC affiliate WBAY they allowed him for the Jets meeting to help Aaron achieve what he wanted as well as the Packers and hopefully create a situation where it's a win for both sides. Very few players play for only one team, and obviously Brett Favre had a great career. Aaron had a great career here. And regardless of what happens, Aaron will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He'll be in our Hall of Fame, and we'll bring him back and retire his number, but this is just one of the things you go through as a team. Again, we want to try and achieve something that's good for both Aaron and us. That sounds like a man who is the president of a team who understands that guy is not going to be playing quarterback for them next year. So it seems like the Jets deal is all over, but the specific details of it at this point, Brandon, because everyone is operating being, I think, respectful enough of the actual due diligence of the deal, what everyone's trying to hammer out, while also really giving us no indication that reconciliation is a possible prospect. No, I was going to say it sounds like someone who doesn't want Aaron Rodgers to be their quarterback next year. And I think that's something that we've heard rumblings over and, and of. But for it to get so, uh, like brought up in a place where we're not expecting to hear Aaron Rodgers news is, is, tell, is telling. Because it's like, okay, first Mike that he had a – first Mike that he had, he'd get in front of, he had an opportunity to tell the world – how the franchise feels about Aaron Rodgers moving forward. He did. And I think it was everything that we already knew, but boy, 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 I feel like the Jets have to feel better about 
what's to come after hearing those words from the president of the of the you know Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I so and they you know gave the same ringing endorsement of Jordan Love. Like he's going to get his chance at this now, I would imagine, barring truly something unforeseen this offseason if they were to go and swing in the quarterback market. So, we'll all be happy when it's over because this has been one where there's been nothing to talk about for a while. And we've still talked about it anyway because they feel like all talking about nothing at this point. But uh, I'd imagine I'd hope that they wait until like the middle of this week, right before the NCAA tournament, while we're at a little for information. That would be as someone uh, like Aaron Rodgers, who understands and works in the content business partly, a big content move that I think we would all appreciate. Yeah, when's this McAfee hit? I feel like it's going to be it, right before then. It's usually on Tuesday, so it'd be nice yeah. if they did it oh, on okay. Tuesday. So, But that just adds to the conversation about the AFC East. We would finally get Aaron Rodgers over there. I forgot, too, in this conversation about Jalen Ramsey. Vic Fangio's the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins now. Like, oh. So you've got one of the better defensive coordinator minds in the yes. NFL teaming up with a defense that's got that quarterback, Tannen, Xavier Howard, and Jalen Ramsey. Bradley Chubb, who they brought over last year as well during the season. Like Christian Wilkins, yeah. who we mentioned. There's some stuff to get excited about there with Ooh. a side of the ball that they are trying to shore up opposite the Mike McDaniel offense. So plenty of moving and shaking that went on in the NFL over the weekend. But Brandon... The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. None of these people are receiving roses this weekend. It's Monday on this hey. show. We give out two roses apiece to deserving winners of the weekend. Um, Brandon, I will go first and give yeah. out my first rose of the weekend uh, to the Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Dodge City, Kansas. I got to go there this weekend to help open up the new DraftKings Sportsbook inside the casino. And it kicked ass. Like, first off, I love casinos to begin with. They had slot machine tournaments and a blackjack tournament going on, which took a lot of restraint from me to not go and get Ooh. a part of. They had in the sports either. book. Yeah, either. Christ. Yeah. Oh, man. I love I love a good black. Like, not a blackjack tournament, but I love playing blackjack. Just thankfully yeah. wasn't in the cards. Had to be there. I did get to be part of the ribbon cutting ceremony. Did get to use comically large pair of scissors. And let me tell you, the woman who was instructing me on the scissors said, make sure you yes. get it deep in the pocket of the scissors. They're not that sharp. I disagree. Those things were weapons. I had to handle with care. That was incredibly sharp and I could have injured myself, but I didn't. And now I get to check off my list. 
getting to use a large pair of scissors to help cut a uh, to help cut a ribbon in an introduction ceremony. I always wanted to shoot a t-shirt cannon, got to do that at Hartford Yard Goats game circa 2019, and now I've gotten Congrats. to use the big scissors. So huge success there. Shout out to everybody at Boot Hill. Shout out to the guys I was hanging out with in the sports book there watching college basketball. Hit a five-leg college basketball parlay during the semi-final round of conference championship weekend. What about 1500 bucks? Life is good. What? You're heating up. Damn! It was my no, I, I, it was my first college basketball bets of the season, and it was me and four other guys, and we were sitting around going, "All right, want to get involved in this? Want to feel froggy?" We each picked a team to go ahead and win. It was like Duke, Kansas, Texas A and M, Grand Canyon, and one other team. And I'll be damned if I wasn't up until like two o'clock in the morning Eastern watching the very end of that <laughs> Texas game, sweating this thing out. So hell of a start. Shout out to Boot Hill. Shout out to everyone in Dodge City. Very fun trip. Sicko committee moves to college basketball. Mike, I need to know about the scissors real quick. Did they make a sound as they cut through the ribbon? Yes. Very like they it did. was it was the sound that they would dub in in a movie over the scissors. Ooh. It's a like stock, like, if you were to look in a soundboard, it would be the stock scissors cutting sound. I was super proud of it. I hit that thing hard because I really didn't want to risk not cutting all the way through it. It was marvelous. Man, I love that. I love to hear it. love to hear it. Um, are you going to get your second rose or you want me to do my rose? No, give me one of your roses first. Okay. All right. Um, my rose this week goes to 23andMe, Mike. I don't know if you're familiar but it's a company that steals your DNA and sends you an email afterwards, after about a month. So I found out who I was, who I am, the different parts of me via my 23andMe. Shouts out to DraftKings again, because I was able to purchase this 23andMe kit from a Amazon gift card gift that they gave all the employees. So I was like, I don't know what I want to do with this thing. Oh, look, I can give 23andMe a little, little gift for myself. So I, I got the results back, Mike. I got them back while I was in Philadelphia uh, for the, the King Summit with my dad. So it was very fun to, to see the numbers of where I come from and where we come from. And then to kind of go over them with my father. Uh, would you like to hear any highlights from from my findings? Sure. I, I what what interested you the most? This like this is something for me I've never cared much about because like most of my ancestral background is just like stock white shit. So yeah, but like I will say this: like growing up as a token black kid around a bunch of white kids, it seemed like all you guys talked about. Not all you guys. Sorry to look, wow. Sorry to do this. Did you just you sorry people us? Yes, and I'm doing it for for a specific point. But like it seemed like everyone all they could talk about was like where their family was from. Like I don't know if it's just like a, a, a white kid elementary school thing. Well or like middle school thing, but like it was all I heard about. It was like, oh I'm from like my family, I'm connected to Napoleon and all stuff like that. And everybody's like turns to me like Brandon, where do you I was like, I don't know, the paperwork got lost in the transatlantic slave trade. I don't know. 
See, we don't talk about it I, at dinner. I think part of that is certainly that difference in background and like, especially how schools teach it. Cause I only knew part of it because in elementary school, we did a mock Ellis Island exercise where we each had ah. to go back, find one of our ancestors who came over to the U S through Ellis Island and then learn about them, play their role and go through Ellis Island. And all I remember is I nailed all the Ellis Island tests and then I got to eat a bologna sandwich. And at that point it was the first time I had ever had a bologna sandwich and i remember liking bologna nice. and i also yes, remember I mean, me and the girl i think her name was liz in my class i was technically playing my grandpa and she was playing my grandma and we were faking english accents because they came over from england and so i remember her asking me uh, if i wanted a bologna sandwich with a bad english accent core memory nice i i okay okay that just tells me how many white kids are in that class um <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, in Avon, Connecticut, there were a lot of white kids in that class. Yes, but uh, I'll say this. Um, one of the the things I thought was cool, 33% Nigerian. So I've, I've always kind of rooted for, for Nigeria in the World Cup, so that, that felt right. My, my heart was leading me there, uh, specifically the, the Igbo people. Uh, it's very interesting if you do the, the 23 me. I know you never will because... For all the right reasons, you're paranoid about it. But you've said my government name so much on this podcast, I figured I might as well uh, finish it off by giving them my spit and blood as well. Um, but this was the surprise shocker, Mike. Not only the 1.7% Scandinavian, but the 15, the 15.5% Northern Europe, Mike. The 11.7% British and Irish in me like i don't want to get into the, all the, the 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 slave movie tropes and about how that possibly could have happened because you know i'd like to think maybe there was a love story down the line uh but <laughs> but the fact that i got all this british up in me mike is crazy it's like i guess i wasn't the I, like my 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 bloodline has been the token black kid for a long time i'm just amazed that you have that much british and irish in you and your accent is still so shit what what are you talking about Beth? Beth, what are you talking it gets worse every time you do it Beth, i have no idea what you're talking about is that a great irish accent a great a great british accent this is an affront to your people people my people mike but anyways so there's a lot the stuff that goes into it mike I'll, I'll, I'll drop this little nugget and then we can move on to your to your uh next rose your boy your, your boy got some neanderthal variants in my blood like I, I, of the people of the people who send in their dna to 23 and me i am of the one percent that has that can be traced all the way back to neanderthals Shouts out to the originals. Damn, the OGs. Yes. And they say nothing about no dinosaurs in that. So That's probably why you were so damn strong all the time, man. You got Neanderthal strength in there. Oh. Built different. I thought it was I thought it was I thought that was all the British stuff. I was like, oh, you know, just be you know, I thought, you know, that it was being fat meant being wealthy back in the day. So I don't know. Oh my god. Oh man, congratulations on finding out more about where you came from, Brandon. Little surprises, Thank happy you. accidents. Um, Thank you. No accident for my second rose. Uh, this one goes to Scotty Scheffler. Uh, the Players' Championship was this weekend for golf and had a pretty interesting Sunday for a little bit when you started to get Max Homan, some guys making things interesting on the leaderboard. 
But surprise, surprise, Scotty Scheffler ends up winning again. He's now had six victories on the tour in his last 27 PGA Tour starts, including four wins that he had last year, culminated by a Master Championship. Won about four and a half mil in this one. It's just funny, Brandon, because I started watching Full Swing this last week when I was traveling. And in the second episode, it's been awesome. But and you, as you remember... In the second episode, they're talking about the Waste Management uh, Tournament from 2022, which was Scotty Scheffler's first tour win. And they talked about in the lead-up how this guy had all this potential but hadn't won on the tour yet. And now he's been hotter than fish grease ever since. The guy's been incredible. So yet another feather in his cap there. Had a great stretch in the middle of the round where he went something like four straight birdies. Is just a golf machine right now and cemented that yet again this weekend. Yeah, I've, I've... Starting to really enjoy golf, but don't tell the PGA Tour, Liv has helped. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. There's no doubt that that animosity between the folks left in the PGA and Liv has heightened the intensity. That some of the things the PGA has done as a result of fattening the purses, creating more of these events that are designed to get all the best players there to you know get that and have more of that be a part of the tour have been a direct result of that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 a fan, Um, but okay. Another big company, my second rose of the day, Southwest Airlines. Mike, I know we don't give up stuff for free. And I know they used to have really good commercials. They kind of fell off uh, after a while. Well, And but, also coming off of an absolute catastrophe during the holiday travel scene. For Southwest? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That was really bad. It was recently. horrific. So yeah, I'm very they, curious. They had to give a lot of money back. They had to give a lot of money back. <laughs> had to, had to, they had to do some damage control. I'm here to help. Okay. I, I'm curious to hear how they have done this. I usually don't fly Southwest. I don't remember the last time I've flown Southwest, but for this trip to Philly that I took this weekend, I booked some uh, want to get away points. Right. So I, I did the Southwest thing there. I did not set my alarm properly to do to check in to make sure I get into the A group, right? Now they have this beautiful thing where you can sprinkle some money on it and get right to the to the uh, A one to fifteen, which is basically priority or you know first class in a way. That's not why I'm giving them a rose, Mike. I'm giving them a rose because since you can choose your own seats there. I'm a big window guy. Whoever has to sit in the middle seat, I feel bad for for them when it comes to sitting next to me because I'm a lot, right? I can only spill over into the enclave of the of the window so much. I, that that armrest can be yours, but I'm very much on you as well while while we're sitting there. I'm spilling over a lot. At Southwest, people refuse to sit next to me because they shouldn't and they should avoid sitting next to me and they did because they had the option to because southwest you choose your own flight so i loved every flight i was on because i had an empty middle seat and i i found a big guy who was sitting on the aisle and or and i jumped into the window and i was like listen we're safe go ahead no one's going to try to sit in between us and no one did mike it was a great experience i don't know if it's like sizes separation or like instead of it being racist it's sizes where like people are like trying to make sure they stay against me but i love it 
and I had a great time and had a lot of elbow room and a lot of space just because people saw me and was like, you know what? I'm not sitting next to that. And I feel like that's only a perk that you can get from Southwest because when you come in and you buy a middle seat, middle, middle seat ticket, that's where you got to sit. No, I respect that. Where were you uh, flying to this weekend? You mentioned the King Conference. What is that for people that are unaware? Okay, thank you. Um, shout out to Chris Broussard, uh, NBA analyst. Obviously, now he's on First Things First, covering all things with Nick Wright and uh, Kevin Wilds. Uh, couldn't tell you the time of this show comes on, but it comes on a lot. Chris Broussard started a Christian men's group that I am a part of. Uh, I got connected to it when I was in L.A. Uh, there's an L.A. chapter, but there's chapters all around the country. Uh, Cleveland, New York, New Jersey, San Antonio, the Bay Area, uh, Dallas. Not a chapter yet, but a couple uh, brothers there there. But anyways, a Christian men's group that I got a part of. And there's this annual summit every year. This year, it was in Philadelphia, the eighth annual summit. I got my dad a part of the uh, group as well. So it's a nice like father-son uh, bonding time. And they're always cap it off with a basketball tournament, a three-on-three basketball tournament at the end of the weekend in whatever city that we're in. And that is where I had my chance to play three-on-three basketball. I, I posted my picture of me buying some Mellows, which are great, great basketball shoes, Mike. But it was just a chance to follow fellowship with brothers. Uh, it was a... Uh, uh, just a really nice, good reset weekend and time to, you know, kind of focus on, uh, I don't know, the things that I find important and things that kind of got me to it. Eddie George there was there, spoke. He had a, a beautiful story. Um, Brian Dawkins, the Hall of Famer, was there and spoke. Jason Avant, if you remember from the Eagles, he came and spoke and had a, a great story about, you know, how religion and, and, you know, his relationship with God has helped him over time. Um, so it's just, you know, all of that stuff. If you're interested in that stuff, that's what it was. I am very interested in that's why I spent my time there. So it was uh, very much worth it. And shout out to Chris Broussard and he'll come on the podcast soon. I heard you guys got bounced in the pickup hoops game though. Why are you, why are you just waiting for me to end that thing so you can talk? Well, about I mean, it, it. was beautiful. Yes, I'm glad Mike. you had a great time with all that, but you're the one that put out on social media in multiple videos that y'all got your ass whooped to the basketball game. I'm just being a good journalist, even though I'm not technically a journalist and asking the follow-up question. I'm pissed because my brothers were supposed to be there with me and we would have ran the court if my brothers were there with me, but they had conflicts, so they couldn't show up. So I had to do an Island of Misfit Toys makeshift team at the last second, getting a bunch of guys together. And some of these guys, Mike, play basketball in college. Uh, other ones are like fresh out of college. One's 6'3", very long, skinny. Like I was shocked. That I was one of the best players, the best player on the team. Um, and I hadn't played basketball in over a year. So, yeah, we got bounced out. I was very upset about it. I don't really consider myself a competitive person. But how much I kept talking to my dad about plays that I had left on the court that night. Oh, my. I, I it, it was it was disgusting. It was disgusting. That is uh, – it, it's one of those things. I'm with you. Once I got done with sports, most of the competitive fire left my body. But every once yeah. in a while, when you find yourself in the situation and you're already there, you can't help but have it come back up to the surface. So you didn't – but you didn't hurt yourself and you didn't get into a fight Mike. with anybody. And that feels like the win. Oh, but I was I was talking cash shit at the <laughs> person who had their <laughs> – like they were like complaining that we didn't take the ball out after and we got a point off of it. And then as I'm talking, because he like took the ball out, I was like, this is how you take the ball. I was like, we know how to take the ball out. 
and then he shot a three to 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 like finish the game while I'm chirping at him from the sideline because I subbed myself out. That was the thing, Mike. I led the team in rebounds and subbed myself out, and that was the problem. If I had just been in 20% more shape, then I think we could have won at least one of those games. Chris Broussard told me in advance, he said, these are we're going to play against actual kids in Philadelphia, so you need to get your run in. Like, don't just come straight off the, off the bench. But, you know, I was – not that I was cocky. I got other stuff to do. I have two kids. So I never had time to go play a pickup basketball game in preparation for this pickup basketball game tournament. And I and I, I paid the price for it. I say, listen, man, it's all about just changing the bar for success and not tearing your ACL or not popping an Achilles yeah. is the right bar oh. to set for these things because there is nothing more embarrassing than having to explain your adult injuries to people. You and I both saw the fantasy campers that would come to Notre Dame, CEOs and grown people with jobs who paid money to come back and get to go through Notre Dame football practice in the summer, and then inevitably some 65-year-old ruptures an Achilles who has signed the waiver, but that doesn't excuse him from having to go back to his grown-ass job explaining why he's rehabbing during his off time. Mike, I think uh, this weekend, I shouldn't put any bad pub out there, but I believe someone around 18 years old, ruptured their Achilles at this three-on-three tournament. So, yes, I am thankful and glad that uh, my team and everyone else uh, on my team that we played against came out safe because I was out there fouling hard. Like, I, I was like, listen, I was like, y'all little mo, y'all <laughs> not about to play me. Y'all like, gonna feel me I'll out here. You. <laughs> I was like, I'll help you up. And they had a couple people deny the help up, but y'all not going to come in here. So, I was like, y'all going to be on the... <laughs> You're going to pick yourself off the ground, and that ball is not going in. So, anyways. I, I I appreciate being young enough to deny the help up. That is a young man's oh, game. Man. Once you get past yes. a certain age, that's a requirement, and that is something that you need. <laughs> so, uh, glad that you were blessed to highly favor. Glad that you made it out there in one Amen. piece. Congratulations to all of the recipients <laughs> of our weekend roses. Brandon, it's time to ask the most important question of the weekend, though, oh, and it is, do you know what time it is? I do, Mike, and it is about to get weird in here. Always there when you call, always on time. Gave you my baby, big. Not always there when you call, but I'm always on time. Gave you my all. Baby, be mine. Always there when you call. Always on time. Gave you my baby. Come on, give me a piece of late night lover. You know the one of this, that, like no other. You know I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. This, that, and the third. How do you feel about that? Wait a minute, maybe I can save it. I got the Bentley Ballet. Palisades. You know something so good. You care, we care, this, that. No, bad. Well, you know what? We'll let the people I don't know. I don't know judge. if we're canceling. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if we canceled Ja Rule yet. You know what I mean? So, like, I thought I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't solid in the pick. Did Ja do something um, cancelable besides Firefest? Oh, we're, we're him stealing all those white kids' money. That's fine. We're okay with that. Oh yeah, I did. I think everyone kind of like 
I don't know, like play stupid games, win stupid prizes was kind of okay. my takeaway from that whole experience. But either way, we'll let right. the people decide that. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, leave us a five-star rating, and tell Brandon what you thought of that and if Ja Rule is still viable uh, in these modern times. We'll wait and see. Uh, Listen, it's okay that this, that, and the third song today was, was a fire fest in itself. See? There we go. Paying homage. Mm-hmm. Brandon always has a plan. His timing is perfect. <laughs> Brandon, the timing couldn't be better for Washington Commanders D-tackle Deron Payne as we get to this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off the day. He gets a new four-year deal worth $90 million and $60 million guaranteed, according to Adam Schefter on Sunday. He had gotten franchise tagged earlier in the month, but as we know, getting the tag isn't the end. It's just the start. You can get a deal going, and the Commanders wanted to get that deal going before free agency actually started this next week in order to make sure that they could better use that time and money elsewhere in negotiating. So he's now the second highest paid defensive tackle in NFL history besides Aaron Donald and the fourth NFL defensive lineman to receive 60 or more million dollars guaranteed according to ESPN stats and info. He now joins Miles Garrett who got 100 million guaranteed. Um, Aaron Donald and Chris Jones, who uh, both got $60 million guaranteed each. So among the interior guys, he is uh, right on par as we talk about the going rate for these things. This is just what happens as time goes on. Yes, but something that uh, is consistent with time is the fact that the Washington Redskins often pay. They do this. They've done this with Albert Hainsworth, and it didn't work out very well. Uh, I've, I've obviously Deron Payne is a different level of athlete and, and may deserve this money, but I can't help but to think about Chase Young and him not getting paid uh, when when it's time for his number to be called. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Chase Young has played 12 games the last two years because of a ruptured patella and torn ACL. So, unfortunately, uh, injury has robbed us of a lot of that. For Deron Payne, he also yeah. had great season at the right time. He had had 14 and a half sacks in his first four years. And then last year had 11 and a half and 21 TFLs last season. He was third in sacks and second in TFLs among D tackles. So, part of it's always timing, too. When you have your best season at the time when you're coming up on a payday, usually good things happen happen for you and for Washington you have to hold on to anything resembling a good thing in your organization because you're mostly full of bad things true especially on defense but yeah at, at the age of 25 this is a pretty safe bet yep and you know him and Jonathan Allen like they've essentially gone with the strategy that used to be which is just draft Alabama players and prosper the strategy has now since shifted to just draft Georgia defensive players and prosper Either way, usually a pretty good plan. Go for some blue chippers who play that position at that particular tool, and shit's usually going to end up working out pretty well here. So Montez Sweat is going to be a free agent after this season. Um, The team has still not yet decided to pick up the fifth-year option on Chase Young also, so a little bit behind on the clock, but some decisions to be made on a D-line that when we first got put together, once Chase Young got drafted, we were all losing our shit because they had like five first-rounders on one D-line. It's hardly right. ever had all of them on the field at once to kind of see that to fruition, but outside yeah. of when Jerron Payne and Jonathan Allen fought with themselves, it's usually worked out pretty good for the commanders. Uh, Brandon, let's get to that. This one is uh, a really interesting kind of new developing story surrounding the Cincinnati Bengals. So on Saturday night, the NFL PA in a tweet communicated with the players in the NFL that the Bengals are 
part of a group seeking to introduce legislation that would limit professional athletes who have been under contract for five or more years from obtaining permanent, permanent or partial permanent partial disability compensation. The PA said it believes the new legislation will require those athletes to pay for their own medical care at billed amounts instead of at any reduced rates available under Ohio's workman's comp laws. Basically, trying to change workman's comp laws that would affect professional athletes in the state. Um, Now, this is apparently being done as a preemptive measure ahead of any proposed legislations that could be filed during the current session for the Ohio General Assembly. Um, For the Bengals, they are also self-insured. They don't draw from workers' comp from the state, but should the state laws be altered, it could also limit the amount that the team is liable to have to distribute in cases of permanent partial disability to deal with in workplace injuries. And Brandon, you and I both have teammates, former teammates that have gone through the process of filing for permanent partial disability, filing for workman's comp after it's done. It's a bitch of a process. Like it is an arduous process to go through. The NFL has got an independent board that looks at and verifies all this stuff and works on a point scale. You got to work hard to earn the money that you're going to get after your career for injuries usually sustained there. And so I saw a lot of people I think a lot of them, especially Cincinnati Bengals fans, who saw the timing of this coming up before NFL free agency and looked at this as something that was targeting them. And Mm. I would say this. One, that would have to be your only defense if you were someone there. If you believe that the NFLPA specifically has it out for the Cincinnati Bengals, which I don't agree with. Because what I do know is generally when it comes to these things, and I can speak from some modicum of personal experience, Public shame is a great deterrent for things like this. Mm. So when I was in New Orleans in 2014 in the off-season program there, there was a bill that had been introduced to legislation at the time that the Benson family, who owns the Saints and the Pelicans, had been supporting that would change how workman's comp was handled in that state. At the time, it would calculate workman's comp for pro athletes based on recent earnings, not future earnings. Basically, If you get hurt in the offseason when you're paid comparatively less, they wanted to pay you workman's comp based off the few thousand dollars you got then, not the hundreds of thousands or potentially millions of dollars that you earn during the fall. NFL players are only paid during the season. Your paychecks come during those 18 weeks of the year. Obviously, that legislation was not something that people were super excited about. And so the PA sent about 50 of us on a bus down to the um, New Orleans state capitol in Baton Rouge. And we went there as the bill was going to the Senate. Uh, and at the Louisiana State Capitol, we went out there, showed up with you know 50 people, a show of force. Drew Brees went out and spoke on the floor in front of the Senate, and the bill died and never saw the light of day again. I say all that to bring up is that's what it took because most of these politicians that are locally elected or have to live with their constituency around there do not want to be seen on the opposite side of the home team. And so I'd imagine this is something that we're going to see potentially or hear potentially from Joe Burrow about. It's why the PA, I think, decided to use social media in this time to create this kind of buzz around this because if there's even an inkling that this is going down, public shame is a powerful deterrent for this. I would just say this too, because I've seen some of the people that are detractors and I don't want to talk down to anybody, but I would just always ask and remind people in these situations, this is what we talked about in the wake of 
what went on. Now, the Bengals, by the way, were also um, reached out to by ESPN and others to comment. And so far, about 24 hours into that, there had not been a statement denying this from the Bengals organization. Nothing that I had seen there. And so again, I'd ask in this situation, in this particular league, where more often than not, we've seen the NFL and teams on the wrong side of history when it comes to how they deal with players' bodies. One, why you would give the benefit of the doubt. And two, why you would side with management over labor. This is not a place where this affects the salary cap or anything meaningful. This would just be you pocket-watching billionaires to try and help them out in a way that, as a base level, because we haven't heard from the Bengals, and we don't know the full scale of this, but again... Looking at all of the motivating factors in this, why would the NFLPA just randomly come out with this? Again, if you believe that they have specifically targeted the Bengals to try and affect them in free agency, I can't help you because I do not believe that that is a conspiracy that warrants merit. But on the other side, it would be because they think something's coming down the pipeline and because usually for the NFLPA, when it comes to issues with the league, suing or making it out in the port of public opinion are the only ways that they can go with all this. And I would just ask all of those people that felt like thinking and praying when everything happened with DeMar Hamlin, by making a stink about this, you can actually support players' well-being off the field after their careers are over. The things that you purport to care about when shit goes wrong and you're forced to stare in the eye, the violent shit that happens all the time that usually just the families of players have to see when they're done with their career. So spare me the thoughts and prayers and instead put your hand in the pile and raise a little bit of stink when this stump comes up in public so that these players can get some of the money that they're owed for the things that they do on the field. Yeah, I think that's my issue with it though, Mike, is that I, I... Push come to shove, we'll see how many people actually don't care about the players getting exactly that. Oh, I know. Most people don't. I've reconciled with that truth a long time ago. I'm just saying it's another spot where the light gets shined on that. And you can choose to be on the right side of history, or you can choose to support management. That can be you. Again, we'll wait and see when everything comes out. We'll wait and hear if we hear from the Bengals at all on this, or we'll wait to see if this thing never sees the light of day. Either way, fascinated. Keep an eye on this. Brandon, let's get to the third, though. Um, We had the Oscars last night, and I didn't see hardly any of the movies that were up for many of the awards this year. I thought Top Gun kicked whole heaping helpings full of ass this last year. I thought Black Panther, Wakanda Forever did a really good job tying up some very painful parts of that franchise, obviously, with the loss of Chadwick Boseman and the thing that that cast had to reckon with. But for the rest of it, uh, as far as the big awards here... Everything Everywhere All at Once did what was expected. It won Best Picture. Michelle Yao won Best Actress. Best Actor went to Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Nice to see the mummy yes. getting some uh, love there. Um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner uh, won for Best Director uh, in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, Best Editing went to Paul Rogers. Everything Everywhere All at Once. So that one did a lot. I saw for some of the other awards, like Score, All Quiet on the Western Front, did a lot of good work in there. Costume design went to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, Cinematography, All Quiet on the Western Front. Visual effects went to Avatar, The Way of Water, which always felt like the award it was destined to win. Will still not make me go see that movie. No, no, not at all. But I am happy that... uh Everything, everywhere, all at once is winning so much uh, and getting so much acclaim because it was one of the best movies I've seen, especially in a time where multiverse was kind of getting just driven to the ground to hear to see a, a, an original 
an original movie telling an original story featuring really minorities that we don't get a chance to see on the big screen frequently. It's good to see win all the awards. No, it's one of those movies I'm going to see now. My proud tradition in recent years of watching the Oscar movies after the Oscars happen once I see which ones yes. got the most love. It also reminds exactly. me that we're a year removed from the slap. Like, it's crazy to think it was that long ago and also that recent already. Yes, but uh, as we've talked about off air, Chris Rock just put a special out specifically about the slap, oh. as well as Marlon Wayne's in a very weird, awkward way. So it, it feels like there was, it, it feels like the anniversary because there's things littered around the fact that it's the anniversary. Like Jimmy Kimmel was the host. And I feel like they went with Jimmy Kimmel because it was a, a safe bet to, you know, get it, get away from the bad taste that was left in everyone's mouth. Oh, oh look at that. They still, they still mentioned it. Jimmy Kimmel made jokes about it. And it's one of those things that everyone needs to be careful not to make that moment, their personality. It was one really entertaining night on the internet. There's a bunch of very real things and tentacles that came off of that. All of which led us to a Chris Rock spe- stand up special that I can only get through about 20 minutes of because boy, was it just, I didn't even get to the part where he talked about the slap because it just was not funny. I, I, if people like that, good for them. Just was not funny. So uh, if it if that's the the end of what it produced, then I hope we can it had, leave it there and move on. It had funny parts, Michael. It had funny parts, but you can clearly see he's still affected by the slap today, a year later. Yeah, no, that much was clear. The rest of it, uh, not so much. Um, we hope most of this podcast was clear. If it was, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.